How have you been? I've been doing pretty good. Yourself? Pretty good. I was on vacation. I just came back last week. Nice. It seems like you took a longer vacation. Did you unplug or did you do a rate of vacation and, and do work while you were on vacation? Work on your own side projects? I didn't do much work. I did a little bit of stuff here and there, but nothing really demanding. No, I spent a lot of time just meeting friends and watching football with family. <laughs> it's kind of fun. Football? Yeah. There cool. was the uh, African Cup of Nations or whatever. So everyone was watching that. So I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, not it's not my thing, but when it's with family and friends, it's kind of fun. Yeah, that's usually when it becomes a lot more fun is when you have someone to cheer with or root for. Yeah. I think that's most things, though. Yeah, definitely. But then, like, it's also if everyone is talking about it, then you kind of feel in the mood to do it. Whereas, like, if I'm just by myself, then it's kind of not very fun. But, yeah, and now uh, yeah, I came back, I found a bunch of stuff waiting for me to be done. So it's been pretty busy week this week. <laughs> is that a good thing to come back to a lot? Of, like, I always wonder, like, when I go on vacation, is it a good thing to come back to like a ton of emails to know that you are missed? Or was it, is it kind of like a terrible feeling because you have all of this stuff to kind of like parse through? And I think it's a mix of both. Like, <laughs> it would feel sad if you came back and you found nothing. Like, you would probably start thinking, maybe I'm not needed in this thing. But when you find too much, I guess you're kind of afraid to not be able to make everyone happy. So, yeah, there's a middle ground that you, you want to be. But yeah, I'm the only designer in the project I'm working on. So pretty much everything design falls on me. <laughs> and I try to keep an eye on things, but, you know, it's it's not easy. How does that work out? Like a lot of the ThoughtBot projects in the past and, and some of the ones recently have been like a solo designer. And one of the things that in the past couple of years that we've tried to make a big change is to have two designers on, on almost every project. Do you like being solo on a project? Do you wish there was another designer there working with you? Like as you kind of build the product and coming back from a vacation, seeing all the work that was done while you were gone. Do you have like pros and cons of working solo on a project versus working with another designer? Yeah, there are pros and cons. I think the, well, well, the first question is like the scope of the project. If it's like one small web app, then having two designers is probably going to be a detriment to the project more than anything. But like if, if you have like pretty complex, like setup with, for instance, like a mobile app and a web app and maybe some other thing, an Android app, then it becomes really important to split up the work. Like two months ago, I was working with another designer on a project, but it was kind of hard for me to know, like to split the work because it was only one sort of one app. So it was kind of difficult to make that call. But in this project I'm working on, there's a lot to be done. And I think at some point I'm just kind of overwhelmed. So it's, I think it's for this kind of situation, I could very easily see two or three, even three designers working because there's just a lot of small pieces that are kind of like isolated and 
the best way would be different people working on them. But then the more people on the project, the more kind of like challenges. So if you have more people on the project, you need, for instance, to set up some sort of design framework or, or rather like some design language so that these three things, they still look like they belong to the same family and same product. Pretty much like uh, if you remember what we did with the uh, different product pages at Thoughtbot, like they were done by different people, but they were kind of still feeling like part of a family. But multiply that by 20 or something because you'll be doing an entire app that should belong to the same kind of brand and that sort of thing. So, Yeah, like from my standpoint, I think having that like style guide has been really good and that framework for thoughtbot.com and the benefits for a marketing site, which like each page is slightly different. Whereas an app, you want to be really consistent with the user experience. So being even more rigid when you're working with multiple people about the style guide and, and how you want to approach different design patterns and how you want to approach, I don't know, you said it was a mobile app, but for a web app, how you approach writing classes and building out the structure of your CSS being on the same page is really important. Yeah. I think for web, it's kind of like, it's somehow easier because I'm talking specifically about the implementation part. You can easily like codify the style guide and maybe even like use a tool. Like there are so many tools now that just check if you're following the style guide or not, but for purely like visual design or like prototyping and that sort of stuff it, it becomes a bit tricky like to define a design language like it's not something you can do in one sitting it's something that you build over time these are for instance like the rules we have for how things interact in our app or like that that sort of thing and that's what i'm trying actually to do right now in the project i'm working on i'm trying to build a design language that could be expanded and that way i don't have to be doing everything but more like you know taking that role of trying to set up some sort of like framework for everyone to mm -hmm. come in and, and do work then the other thing is you can also split things in a more like vertical way so instead of like splitting it by product or feature or whatnot you split it by step so someone would do a bit of user research i mean in the case of of course you, you would do some sort of like sprint or something but after that, someone would focus on wireframing and kind of testing that sort of user flow and doing the research. And someone else would focus on implementing the UI. Or not implementing, but actually designing the, the UI in whatever like graphic editor they use, like Sketch or whatever. And then the third person would probably do implementation, testing, and that sort of stuff. I could see this working as well in projects that are big in scope because it's kind of hard to be jumping between these three. That's the issue I'm kind of having right now is like, it's, it's hard to do all, all of these three and do them equally good. If there is a, a big amount of work. Are you setting up the design and these design patterns in a way that they'll be easily communicated when you do bring on another designer that they can easily see the work that you've done and kind of roll into that? I think that's one of the things that we didn't, Maybe we didn't need to do, but on thoughtbot.com, like we didn't have any sort of documentation of, hey, these styles should be copied over from page to page. And I think 
some of that was good because it left it up to the designers and you know all of the designers here are high quality and they want to continue the brand that was started but i could also see where like having a developer jump in and build out a services page or in, in your case like having some sort of framework in place so that someone who isn't a designer can quickly understand what the design patterns are and create a user flow based off of those patterns that isn't too complex. Yeah, that's pretty much the the point. It's just that it depends on which part you want to kind of document. Like, if you want to document the overall workflow, then that requires a set of sort of like things that you need to do. For instance, right now I'm trying to document everything, like even... Even the process of how do we go from problem statement to a beta version of the app or or the feature, sorry. So I'm trying to codify that and write it down so that anyone who wants to sort of like make this exercise, they will just look at that and see, okay, so now we need to do a mini sprint for this specific feature. And then, okay, we need to do a prototype. And then next we need to do a, it's not like I want to force everyone to follow that, that flow. But I want to provide those who don't know what to do with a starting point. And then if they like it, that's good. If they can improve it, that's even better. So this is for the process, but you have to also do it for the UI, for instance, for visual identity. Like, okay, well, visual identity is pretty straightforward. Like, here's our palette, here are our fonts, and pretty much a few other things. But yeah, for the UI, it's, I guess, the hardest one because you want to... A lot of the work we do, like when we're working alone, is at the back of our head. We don't even like think about it. And then when others come and see it, they don't see that thought process. Like, why did you make this cancel button this way and not this other way? Like, why is it red on white background and not white on red background? And this sort of decision process is what I want to capture so that others can either follow it or improve it if they see some flaws with it and i guess this is the hardest part i find right now so there are a few ways you can do it like there's this style guide or a ui catalog and there's there are a lot of artifacts you can create to help you with the with that but there still there's still they fail at capturing the the essence of how you you went from the idea to the final results and you need a combination of all of these plus human communication to maybe get close to that. So it's it's kind of an interesting challenge, actually, as, as far as I'm concerned, because I, I don't think I've done this kind of thing before. Like, I was a lot of the times, like, focused on small projects where I kind of do everything. And, of course, like, try to follow a style guide and all of that, but you don't have to worry too much about these things. But when you're thinking of in the sense that, okay, this could be two or three people or four, working on this thing at the same time, then it becomes quite important to have that sort of common ground. I like that. Yeah. What have you been uh, working on lately? I've been juggling a bunch of things. So doing some sales, some hiring, and basically project management. So a bunch of different things, each with their own kind of like unique problem set. And Are you enjoying all of them or some more than others. Yeah, I think each one has their own like I said their own unique challenges. So 
being able to hop from one to the other is always something that I've enjoyed doing. It's, I think it's one of the reasons why I love being at ThoughtBot and being a generalist is because being able to jump from one to the next is interesting to me. But also the skill set that I need to do each one of those is fairly similar. So talking, a lot of it is just talking about design and design process that we do here at ThoughtBot. Making sure I'm communicating that as well as possible. Making sure that like the other person is understanding of, of what we're trying to accomplish. That we're understanding the goals of an incoming leads project or the goals of a designer who wants to be working with us or the goals of a current project and and making sure that, you know, the communication between the team is really good. Like a lot of the things that you were talking about, making sure that design decisions are being communicated effectively and feature decisions are being communicated effectively. It's all kind of like the same skill set, I guess, just applied to different areas of design. Yep. Are you doing any actual design at all? I saw I saw some dribble shots, some logos stuff, but not sure if that's something you did recently or the extent of the design right now that I've been doing or like I guess more hands-on design is writing up basically HTML wireframes and getting the things on the page that we think need to be there. So the app that I'm working on helping project manage right now is it's a larger app kind of like what you're talking about so there's hmm. me and another designer on it and two developers so it's, it's for thoughtbot it's a pretty big team hmm. so one of the things i made sure is that we're all communicating effectively between us and the client making sure that we're all on the same page on what needs to be built and what the priorities are and making sure that those priorities align with the client's priorities. Setting the expectations and that sort of stuff. Right. That's the hardest part. (laughs) (laughs) I've enjoyed doing it. It's like the dribble shots that I've been doing all come from AutoNew, which is a fantasy sports app that I've been kind of working on and off for the last probably year. And it's been fun to dive into that and to build visual brand a lot of the engagements that we've had because they're on and off, they've been kind of short. So being able to iterate quickly, being able to design wide range of solutions pretty quickly has been important for that project. A couple of weeks of that where I'm trying to develop a brand rapidly onto something where it is long-term and involves a lot more thought into what we're building, when we're building it and why we're building it is kind of a nice change of pace i saw that logo and it's unmistakably kyle it's i don't know (laughs) it's it's like i'm looking at your face literally well not literally it has a corner and a dot and some weird shapes but it feels like something you would make like even if they showed me that and just asked me oh who do you think would have done this i mean even outside thought but i would probably have guessed it's you this will be a good like design ex or, or, or game show. We should just have like <laughs> flashcards and I'll just throw up like designs and you can just yell out who you think they come from. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be really good for a radio show because I'm, I'm sure people will be really entertained by that Wait, radio show <laughs> without huh? being able, huh. because they wouldn't be able to see <laughs> what actual designs we're throwing up. Okay, great. That's uh, yeah, I got it, but it took, it took me a while because honestly I forgot how radio works. 
It's been a it's while. It's sound over the internet. Wait, no, that's not how radio works. You know where, what radio well, means? FM and AM, you can have... Yeah, so, I got yeah, that. It's, it's, I, I, mean, I mean our radio, Yes, our okay. podcast. <laughs> Podcasting's just like radio. They're not. Oh, I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> it's, they're very different. They're, uh, yeah, sure, they're audio, but the, the delivery <laughs> mechanism and how you consume it is very different. I consume it the same. It all goes through my ears. Mm, yes, but you don't like tune in and l just listen to whatever is on, on air. Like you choose, you pick and choose what you want to listen to, right? Also, no, mm -hmm. no commercial breaks. Like, see, we've been recording for 20 minutes now. There was, oh, by the way, maybe we will have one. Actually, I don't know. I, don't <laughs> I was going to say, there's, there's a bunch of podcasts that have commercial breaks. Yes. Well, we do it at the end or in the beginning. We're, we're good citizens, but yeah, sure. Okay. Okay. They're the same. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. We've gone on tangent. Yeah, totally. Are you doing any like mobile design at all or not doing, but like involved in or whatever? I designed a mock-up for a couple mobile apps that have yet to be built. So oh, okay. the answer is sort of, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> One of them was a prototype for a design sprint that I got to spend a little extra time on. And another is a mobile app that I think they're looking to get funding. And I can't share either of those yet, unfortunately. Uh, sure. Yeah, because I haven't seen much on Dribble in that regard. But I was curious because I've been doing a lot of mobile design recently and almost no web design at all. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, by the... Oh, no, I wouldn't say the end of this year. I would say like in two months, like you would ask me, how do you make text bold with CSS? And I would just stare at you like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that one is hard to forget. But no, but like I'm still doing a little bit of web design here and there. I just made a page, like a single page recently, but I've been doing a lot more mobile design. I'm kind of enjoying it, actually, because when in, in a big system, like the... The scope of the project I'm working on is pretty big. So we have hundreds of screen in that app and it's been really fun to kind of flex my muscles on that or rather like, you know, it's, it's like a big playground for me because like you have so many areas that where you can do so many things. And of course we have deadlines and all of that, but it's kind of nice and Yeah, I, there are some challenges that I feel like I didn't have before. That's why I asked if you're doing any mobile design, because I wanted to talk about some of those. Because, like, the way we do mobile has changed a lot. Like, just things like simple things like navigation and buttons. If you take the top, like, the most popular apps of a, of a certain year, and over the years you compare them, you will see that the trends definitely keep changing and stuff like that. And while doing this project, I realized that almost nothing is obvious anymore like everything i feel like I'm, i'm rethinking everything again from scratch like okay how should the button look like i don't know i feel like it's it's kind of i'm rediscovering the stuff that we were doing three four years ago but now with kind of a different angle because we went through this kind of i don't know what to call it but it was kind of boring to do mobile design like everything was flat no gradients everything was just labels especially after iOS 7. And I feel like now there is kind of a trend back of like making buttons look like buttons using gradients where it makes sense. So that particular aspect I've been enjoying a lot. And 
I was curious if whatever work you've done, have you tried exploring or bringing back rather like things that, that kind of we're doing and we stopped doing for whatever reason? I'd be interested to hear from your perspective. I know I'm not answering your question, but how you try Like, it seems to me that trends with mobile are a lot faster than trends on the web, or at least they're, for me, they're a lot more noticeable. Like, I feel like every couple months or every, maybe it's like every year with the release of a new iOS that there's like new nuances to the style. Like there was that big shift from iOS 6 to iOS 7, but every year there seems to be like these small nuances within style that all of the apps that I'm looking at, they're kind of like slowly adapting. Should we be looking at iOS apps the same way that we look at web apps, which is like it's always constantly being iterated on? Yeah, I guess it's the same. And are you seeing the same trend there where, <laughs> the trends are iterating a lot faster. My thinking here is like, if we looked back at an iOS 7 app, like we'd be able to tell it was iOS 7. Oh yeah, definitely. And definitely be able to tell like iOS 6 or we'd be able to give like a range of like, oh, this is iOS 6, iOS 7. Totally, totally. I, I feel like that would be less true with a website. Like you wouldn't be able to say, oh, that website looks like uh-huh. 2007, except... For when you start to get like into the web 2.0? I don't know, actually. I can probably tell, like for websites, it's probably the type that's a, usually a giveaway. Like if, if they're using <laughs> Lobster, you know they're from around 2012, 2013. <laughs> and if they're using OpenSense, you know it's 14, 15. If they're using like source, you know, they're 15, 16. Like I, I just look at the font. I can guess when this website was made. So what year is Proxima Nova? Oh, I don't know. That one is probably 2011, <laughs> 10, 11. <laughs> I feel like that's when it started to die on the web. But now there's so many fonts that I lost track. But for iOS, definitely it's, it's very easy to tell like, Seven, it was thin Helvetica. It's it's a dead giveaway. You would just take any app, it would have some thin Helvetica somewhere. Eight introduced Avenir in a lot of apps that started using it as a font. I think it's fairly easy to tell which... There are, of course, some apps that are kind of too unique and they have their own brand, that strong brand that they don't change much. But I think overall, it's, it's pretty easy to, to tell. But I think that my point was that it's... I feel kind of liberated in a way because I do just what looks good to me right now. And of course, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not liberated. Maybe after all, like I just look at a lot of things and I'm, I'm kind of influenced by them, but at least it feels good to have like that sort of like creative freedom. Like I want a button to look like this. I'll make it look like this. I don't care if it's trending or not. But maybe it is actually trendy. I think buttons and gradients are coming back. Now they're coming back in a kind of discrete way. Like they're not really strong gradients. They're more like white to very light gray or something like that. But I feel like this year and next year, we're going to see a lot more kind of iOS 6-ish trends, especially in, in like gradients and that sort of stuff. Away from the crazy gradients that we dealt with in iOS think was eight or or nine like you know the purple to blue and the green to blue red to purple that sort of stuff 
like more subtle like gradients yeah I, i think what's really helping me here in what i'm working on is that it's a an app for a professional like use case so there are some considerations to make there as well like you want you want to keep the ui kind of neutral not playful if you see what i mean yeah no i totally do i think from my standpoint i i take the same approach that you it sounds like you do which is applying the style that i think best fits that use case that brand that'll appeal to the people whose context we're trying to solve for but apparently all of my stuff comes out <laughs> very similar style <laughs> <laughs> or is it noticeable <laughs> when you do fantasy sports stuff it comes up the same <laughs> i used to joke that i i've designed like three web apps and every site or app that i built is just a modification on that style <laughs> are you talking about all the sports related things you built or i've only built a couple sports related things oh, I, Come think on. You, i think you did more <laughs> I, i already know three that i can name them but i won't but yeah i mean it's There is definitely some part of design that's personal. Like if Kyle tries to do a fun website and a serious website, they would still have some Kyle in both of them. Same for me. Right. Like if I try to do a fun and a serious design, then even my fun version of it will have some parts of my personality that you can see. That Yep. It's almost impossible for us to take ourselves out of the design. Yeah, it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> which is why it's kind of not a um, science or whatever there's a big human aspect to it yep i think that might be a good place to end big human aspect yes big human aspect of everything <laughs> uh you find our show notes at tentative.fm slash 34 tweet us at tentative fm email us at host at tentative fm and rate us in itunes i always forget that one yes please if you enjoyed the show please rate us on itunes four stars or five stars thank you <laughs> four stars you're gonna allow them to rate us four stars i mean i will allow them to take a star away because of you i would accept <laughs> that if they say well if kyle wasn't one of the hosts then i would give it five stars i would be okay with that okay that, that's fair <laughs> Yep. I'll allow it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. Cool. Bye. Yeah, I remember those. I totally remember them They're from Flint. The app is Flinto. called Flint. Flint. Yeah. Just Flint without O. Flint? <laughs> yes. No O? Flinto is the prototyping uh, tool. Ah, that's right. And it was like All of these things. blue bubbles. You see that, <laughs> yep. that style of blue bubbles is exactly what I'm talking about when I say it's going to come back. So, yeah, mark my words. Keep that somewhere. <laughs> I just want the grunge from iOS 5-ish. That's not the, coming like, back. super grungy and, you know, the stitching. Man. I don't think that stuff is coming back. <laughs> I really don't think so. It was a bit it was a bit far off, to be honest. So, Do, do you know what bugs me? Yeah. Is the, the background in iOS notes is still there. Yeah, I saw your and tweets. And reminders. Yeah, I don't know why they uh, keep that. It's totally useless. It makes it less it's, readable. Uh, oh, wait, it is I, the worst. I think I know why, because they use yellow. And yellow is pretty crappy on that background. So they need to add that text shadow. But I don't know about the texture. It's, it's actually making the contrast worse. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know Or why. Or they could just not use yellow as a UI color. Yeah, to be honest, I use the Mac one because it's much cleaner. 
and I almost never touch the iOS one, only when I want to add stuff to the note or something. Yeah. I've recently switched away from using Apple Notes just because that, that irritated <laughs> me so much. I was just like, I can't deal with this anymore. What are you using now? Bear, bear Notes? Or Bear? How'd you know? Oh, because everyone is using it. Uh, even though they walked away from Pixa, which bothers the hell out of me. Is it the same company? Yeah. Uh-huh. I didn't know. Is everyone using Bear? Am I just following the trend? I think everyone is. Everyone that I know is. But I'm happy with Notes, and I try to not use it too much on iOS. Yeah, makes me a happy man. <laughs> I like how we're, we're like, oh, yeah, we should totally end this episode, and then we continue to have a conversation. Oh, this is both, uh, <laughs> what do you call it, after show. After show. I mean, if TV has taught us anything, is to watch all the way to the end, like even post-credit, because there might be some something... Like all of the Avengers movies, you got to watch all the way through the credits to see what the next Avenger movie is going to be. Yeah, pretty much. That- kind of a teaser. Yeah. And sometimes they even have some really important like story elements that are post credit. Some directors like doing that sort of stuff. I kind of like it. Makes it a bit, it breaks the, the fourth wall. I mean, not really, but in a way it does. I like the what usually Pixar does, which is they, they basically have their ending credits are a movie into themselves. The one that comes to mind for me is Monsters, Inc. It just like the beginning of the credits. It's a, like a separate movie about the movie, which is really meta and really awesome. And they're usually like designed and animated really well because it's Pixar and they're awesome. I don't think I've ever seen the ending of Monster. Like, I watched the first one, I think, almost until the end, and then I didn't watch the other two. I think there are three of them, right? Or Yes, there are two. Yeah, that's, I have to do a bit of catch-up with Pixar movies. I haven't watched them in a while. You also don't have kids, so... No, I actually like that, them. That's my excuse. That's my excuse to watch uh, them is like, I, oh, I have kids, so I need to watch this. I actually like <laughs> them. I, I watched Inside in the movies, and then I watched it at home, like, second time. But yeah, I that's a good watched, one. Yeah, I like that one. It's kind of cute. <laughs> but, yeah, on cool. this note, I think, yeah, we're going to wrap it up. 